Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This is the Drive and Dish Podcast. There's the Drive and Dish. Quick, quick. Welcome to your Kodak moment, my friend. To start it off, it's Kevin Rafuse and Justin Kuzite. Let's go. Two, one, two, one, two, mic check. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Drive and Dish NBA podcast. My name is Kevin Rafuse. Of course, if you are listening to the podcast, leave us a review on iTunes. We will read them, good or bad, on the podcast. Of course, if you are not an Apple user, you can always find the podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play Store, Player FM, all that fun stuff. Crazy, crazy trade deadline. We've got a whole lot of moves to break down. Obviously, you're just hearing my voice so far. My normal co-host, Justin Kuzart, is off. Uh, you guys probably can guess where he is. In fact, my guest tonight knew right off rip. Justin is at his, what, 17th, 18th, 19th like wedding of the past I can't few believe years. it because one of the the times that I, I came on, the guest host, we talked about how many weddings he's been to. And at that point, it was already over a dozen, I want to yeah. say. And I don't even, like, I, we would do a whole intro about it, but, you know, I don't, I don't want to get cliche because we've probably done it six times before. So, anyways, Thanks. joining me as always, fin- filling in for Justin tonight, my man Lewis Axon. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Lewis Artisan. You've heard him here on the podcast before. Uh, again, coming in at a trade deadline special. Uh, Lewis is also a Lakers fan as well. So, later on the podcast, I haven't told him this yet, but uh, I'm telling him on the fly. We are going to talk a little bit of Kobe as well. Well, mm-hmm. kind of get his perspective on that um, as you know we continue to all grieve as part of the basketball world got a comment on the show or do you want to be on the show you can just give us a call on our google voice number and leave us a voicemail 904-580-6295 we'll play your calls on the next episode we put the number on every social media post on facebook and on twitter so follow us at drive and dish nba All right, so trade deadline is officially done. Uh, We are recording this uh, Thursday evening. The trade deadline was earlier today at 3 o'clock. Looks like all these late-minute deals have uh, trickled on in now and and all sorts of, uh, you know, little draft picks and any minor changes that have been thrown around last minute are going on. So, you know, we're going to break all these down. going to kind of go in chronological order, so bear with us here. We're going to be, you know, kind of analyzing all these moves here in a vacuum, but uh, let's get right into it. So we'll start off with... First, the uh, big four-team trade that happened. Uh, Biggest deal since Patrick Ewing in 2000, which I thought was a pretty crazy one. Um, Also, your friendly reminder that Patrick Ewing played for teams other than the Knicks. Uh, I think a lot of people (laughs) The Wash era. Yeah, yeah, which included part of that here in Orlando. 
Uh, but so the four-team deal between the Atlanta Hawks, the Denver Nuggets, uh, the Houston Rockets, and the Minnesota Timberwolves. So uh, the Hawks received Clint Capella and Nene. Uh, Nene was then waived immediately. Uh, the Nuggets got Shabazz Napier, uh, Gerald Green, and Noah Vonley. The Rockets got Jordan Bell, Robert Covington, and a 2020 second rounder. Uh, the Timberwolves got Malik Beasley, Evan Turner, Wancho Hernan Gomez, and Jared Vanderbilt, as well as a conditional future first-round pick from the Hawks uh, via Brooklyn. So that's not – I mean, obviously, that's the first thing right away. I yeah. think a lot of people were going, Atlanta gave up their first they're one of the worst teams in the league this year but you know it, it was with so many players involved I guess my initial reaction and, and Lewis I'll ask if you had the same reaction is we have all these players but what exactly was the purpose of this deal because I'm still looking at this and I get it in a sense yeah. but I kind of don't get it at the same time yeah for me it just seems like because I'm trying to see who's the who's the big winners here and like what team strategy was kind of were going into this and I, the, the Hawks threw me off the, the most because I don't really understand what they think they're doing. Because I think Collins, I, th I thought I think he's still, you know, he's getting there. I yeah. thought he's a blossoming young player. Obviously, the suspension kind of hurt him. But it looks like the Rockets, they're going all in on this small ball lineup. This is D'Antoni's last stand. He's doing what he never did in, in Phoenix, and he's trying to do it now. Um, with this small ball fast lineup and, you know, give Russell Westbrook and James Harden a little chance to breathe a little bit more. Um, but it seems like Covington, they coveted him. Yeah. You know, you you know, you know all about Covington as, yeah. you know, one of the, you know, the lost Sixers. But it, it just seems like they want to add a little bit more shooting. But it's so many players, dude. Yeah. On this freaking, like, first, I didn't even know Nene was still in the league, honestly. Like, did, did you know that? I knew he was so I knew he was in the league um only cuz I read a piece earlier this year about how that contract is weirdly valuable for the Rockets and, mm -hmm. and moving it around and clearly it helped here. Um I remember I think it was last year when the Rockets were just so injured big man wise and when they were missing Capella for a little bit and they needed Nene to play serious minutes and like obviously Nene's had an excellent NBA career but exactly. in 2020 I, I don't really know that I want Nene playing serious contending also minutes. a long NBA career. Yeah, oh yeah, I mean he was back on those Denver teams way back with with like going back to Iverson and Carmelo. It makes um, no sense. But for me it's well obviously the shock value of this trade is kind of, you know, lost us a little bit because some of the uh, other events that went over the trade deadline. Yeah. But, you know, I'm looking at the, the list and Evan Turner, I feel like is he a guy who still to be looked at on the buyout market because that's what it was rumored to be before he got uh, traded away yeah. to the Timberwolves. Now I'm unsure of like where he's going to land and all of this. And it just seems like a bunch of guys, honestly. And I don't really know. I don't see a clear strategy. Did you? No, I mean, not really. And that's kind of my beef with it. I really like Malik Beasley. I thought he was one of the better players available. So I do think the Timberwolves got a good player in him. Um, I thought a lot of contenders, if they were going to be able to, you know, Malik Beasley is a good NBA player. He's just mm. a victim of just the astounding depth that's in Denver right now. Um, just kind of not being in that rotation. I get it from Atlanta in the sense that they do need a big man and they were actively shopping for big men. So if you think Clint Capella is your guy and he fits well with Trey, like he'll, he'll, you know, fit well in that running style with them. He'll be able to rim run kind of the way he did in Houston. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that that makes sense. But I also think, again, Atlanta is one of those teams that is going to be in the mix for a number one pick. You could have potentially waited to get James Wiseman if that's your guy at number one or assuming where you fall in that. And it just, I don't know, it just didn't feel like they needed to make this move necessarily. Now, Clint Capella is a good player. I don't want to downplay that. But 
it feels like maybe they could have waited and not had to, you know, give up players and, and get involved in this trade as much. But I guess I understand it from that perspective. From Houston, I think it fills a need. Like Robert Covington, they needed a wing. Yeah. And Robert Covington obviously can play within the flow of that offense. He, he's a good shooter, um, super great defender, one of the better defenders in the NBA. So it totally makes sense. I think the Rockets needed another wing. But now they've created a whole other issue. Like by trading Clint Capella, it didn't like, yeah, you fixed your wing problem, but now you have a center problem. But I now mean, you're looking from it at a different perspective issue if you're trying to play that way. But now it's like, like I heard LeBron, he spoke on it earlier because the Lakers are going to play uh, today. Uh, what is this, the six? The Lakers are going to play the Rockets later tonight. And he's like, you know, they already shoot about, you know, 43s a game anyway. Now it's going to move up to like maybe 60 because before they had. Two guys on the court with Capella and Russell Westbrook who struggle from three or, you know, or one is not even a threat at all from three. Yeah. Now, you only got Russell Westbrook. And then bringing Capella out, they're going to play this five-out system. It's going to be rim-running. It's going to be fouls. It's going to be more fouls. So if you hate Houston, if you hated Houston before, it's going to be way more fouls because this gives James Harden so many more lanes to be a little bit more inventive in the lane. And yeah. that was one of my issues with him this season, honestly. I felt like he hasn't been at the line as much. Is that only me? No. It seems I like he's just he's falling in love with the step-back threes. And I've I seen him play in Orlando, and he dropped – I want to say he dropped 50. And he he made all those step back threes that day, but it was just odd to me because I don't think he only shot like five free throws. I feel like he's just getting less and less this year. Oh yeah, and this may open that up for him, and maybe this is another. You know, maybe in you know at the end of the day, we we go back and we think D'Antoni's a genius, and and Maury's a genius for this, but it just feels like their last hurrah, knowing that D'Antoni doesn't have another year left on the contract, and. They pretty much have to go for it. Yeah, like you said, I mean, he's certainly going down swinging, like you said. Uh, they're really getting invested in this. P.J. Tucker, hilarious on Instagram. The what did other he day. do? I missed it. He posted a picture of him with, I think he had stilts photoshopped to him, and they just <laughs> said that's how they're going to get P.J. Tucker ready to go play the five, uh, get him ready in the lane. Really, really funny. Um, so free throw attempts per game. Uh, actually, believe it or not, Harden is up this year, and that surprised that is me insane. as well. Because he's at, so he's averaging about twelve attempts per game right now. He averaged eleven last year, and he was right around eleven or a little over ten pretty much every year since twenty fourteen. Um, Maybe I've been watching the the, the wrong games. So it feels like he's operating so much more at the the perimeter this season versus I, you know driving in the lane. I think too recently and i wonder how much I'm, I'm looking at his game log i'm pulling it up now okay. if, if those attempts are going down because i mean obviously he started off the year and just such a blazing pace that's I mean, very true he, he um, i thought he's gonna do it again in terms of you know what he did last year yeah but he did have a stretch i mean there's a stretch from december 9th through december 28th where um he had a game that he missed against the pelicans but in between that stretch uh which is about 10 games where he only got to the line over 10 times twice Okay. Um, but then it's kind of come back since then, um, really since uh, the new year started. Um, he's He's been getting the line double digits. There's only a couple games here. A loss in OKC, he only got their five. Um, even recently, uh, last four games, six attempts, 10, 9, and 15. So okay. maybe that one stretch kind of... That's, that, that's probably what clouded my mind a little bit. But also, it just, you know, from where I see him doing a lot of his scoring from, you know, nowadays. But, you know, I think this move is definitely going to... If, if it's crazy to say, maximize him a little even bit more on the offensive side. But I really do worry about them defensively, mm -hmm. and I worry about them rebounding. Because think of well, think think about the Lakers. If they get the Lakers, you know, mm -hmm. in the playoffs, we're huge. He, we're, <laughs> I'm a Lakers fan, guys. <laughs> but the Lakers are huge. 
you know, Dwight Howard spelling for JaVale McGee with Anthony Davis, with LeBron James, with Kyle Kuzma. These all guys are 6'8", 6'9", and above, like, I think they're going to have a hard time in the end of the day uh, when it comes down to it. Because, you know, you got guards like – you got uh, big men like Gobert. You got big guys like Jokic. It's going to be tough to, for me to see them advance. I got to see it. Maybe that's just what it is. Maybe yeah. I need to buy into the system and wait for it. But I feel like they were the guys who achieved the most from this trade because Covington's a really good player. But – Still yet to see. Yeah, Covington and Capella obviously are the two best players involved in this deal. Um, you know, the Nuggets kind of rounding out their rotation a little bit. The Nuggets, but like you said, the Nuggets play bigger too, so that'll be another challenge for Houston. Um, you know, Utah, like you said as well. All right, going over to the East now in a more minor deal. Uh, the Magic <laughs> received James Ennis from the Sixers. The Sixers received a 2020 second round pick. Uh, you know, Jay, look, James Ennis plays hard. Um, he just, yes. you know, the Sixers need to clear ro- uh, roster space, which we'll get into their uh, their bigger move later on. Um, but you know, in, in terms of the Magic, I mean, Ennis is your is your prototype three and D guy. He plays hard. Um, you know, obviously, wish he was a little more efficient knocking down the three ball. But you know, in terms of just filling out bench depth for the Magic, you know, again, you're giving up a, a second rounder. He's got a player option for next year, so he's locked in as well, um, if need be. So I, I don't really mind it. You know, again, it's it's the minor type move, and the Sixers had to make that move. And and the the Magic, they didn't have to make this move, but the Magic need forward depth with their injuries right now. To the injuries to Alfaruq Aminu and the injuries to Jonathan Isaac is really pigeonholing them. I think it honestly made their made them change strategies up from what they were originally going to do with the trading deadline this year. Oh, because yeah. if everyone was healthy, I think they go a, a couple different ways about this. And, and just the fact that, you know, you're – it's Aaron Gordon who's your real starting forward and the only guy you can really come in and play. You got guys like Kim Birch and, you know, who, who's making – their best efforts to be there for you, but that's a lot of the reason why they're struggling right now as well. So if you give away Aaron Gordon, you're you're pretty much giving away the season for yeah. the most part. But the Fournier, I really thought I didn't think I knew better, but I was hoping that they would make a move on Fournier just because I don't want to see them pay another one of these guys who are just not it. And and that's I don't want to be disrespectful to Evan Fournier because he's actually doing really well right now. Like, this is probably I've, – I've been going to the Magic games for, like, four seasons now, and this is easily the best I've ever seen him play and the most consistent. But it's just like he – him being the best player on the Magic will never make them better than a seven seed. No, and, and that's – we've talked about this a little bit off the mic, but that's just – the Magic needs shot creation more than anything else. Um, you know, strictly talking about Ennis, you know, when – the big talk with the Sixers last year when they hit the playoffs is that their rotations are so short that they were playing seven or eight people. Mm-hmm. James Ennis was in that rotation and giving them quality minutes come playoff time. So that, you know, there may be a cap on it in terms of what he can give you, but I mean, he was getting useful, meaningful minutes. And so I think for Orlando, that's good. Um, to your point as well, I mean, Orlando's priority is to make the playoffs this year. Exactly. I, th- I think to get back in. Um, I think building a culture, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, they haven't been to the playoffs in, what, six, seven, eight years it was before Since this. Dwight prior to last exactly. year. Exactly. Since Dwight so. Howard. And now I feel like they just want to cr- create this winning culture. Once you're in the playoffs one time and it's an anomaly, you get in again, this is kind of what you do. Yeah. And you have expectations. And you're going to push yourself and you're going to know what it's like to be a playoff team. So you can, the players can spot out their own deficiencies in that so i do believe that hey hey magic the magic seemed to be the land of second chances okay obviously markel Fultz is is 
existing and playing and, and being a young playing promising meaningful player, minutes, yeah. be a starter. You know, we we had a whole conversation about other what I thought was going to happen this season with him. But then think about you know Michael Carter Williams, guy can't even get a ten day. He gets a ten day with the Magic. He gets another ten day with the Magic, and he ends up getting a contract on the team. It, it, it seems like people can come here and you know, especially under this regime. And kind of find what you know others didn't see in them. So yeah, I mean, the re- shot. and the regime is a lot more competent now. That's the biggest thing. I mean, a lot of that, you know, a lot of the drought was just frankly due to the Hennigan era and just you know bad management in yeah. Orlando. And I, I think they've dug themselves out of that now. I think there's a long way to go before this team is a contender or anything like that. But I mean, I pending something drastic, they're going to make the playoffs. Um, I mean, like I've said on the show before, the biggest goal for them should be to get that seven seed pending some crazy collapse from India or Philly or something like that. But that way you obviously avoid Milwaukee in the first round, I, you know. That would be ideal. Milwaukee's going to smoke Orlando. Yeah, they, they don't the want. Like, it won't problem. even be fun. It won't even be like. And that's the thing where last year, you know, if you get a Toronto or Ugh. you get a Boston or you get a Miami, I mean, I don't think they're going to win that series, but I think they can at least make it a little Give competitive. Me a game. Yeah, get, get a game or two like they did with Toronto last year. Milwaukee, I think, is just going to beat them by 20 every night, and then that's just no good for anybody. Yeah, that'll be a broom. All right, arguably the biggest trade of the day. Uh, Minnesota Timberwolves finally got their guy uh, making the trade for D'Angelo Russell. Uh, They also got Jacob Evans and Omari Spellman from the Warriors. Uh, The Warriors got Andrew Wiggins in that deal, along with a 2021 protected first-round pick and a 2021 second-round pick. This is the one that, you know, obviously people in the league are talking about. But just right off rip, um, we'll get into the Golden State part of it a little bit. For for Minnesota, this was so, so desperately needed. Um, You know, I kind of ripped Minnesota three weeks ago and, and just kind of how incompetent they've been with a lot of their moves over the past few years. And mm-hmm. you know, I worried about them because we've seen it. I mean, from Garland Anthony Towns and even with the Covington trade, he said, like, Rob was one of my best players on, or one of my best friends on the team. I'm really tired of losing. You know, that's every red flag you need to see in the world in Minnesota at, at going at risk of losing, you know, one of the best talents that the franchise has ever had. Yeah. And now you bring in D'Angelo Russell, who is famously known as one of Carl Anthony Towns' best friends in the league. Look, you got a foundation again now, and it was clear to me that Wiggins wasn't working there. Hundred um, percent. I think I think they've what lost thirteen in a row going into this. So I think the well, did they win in in the last couple of days? I don't know. They so, lost right? to Atlanta. Last yeah, the week. last time Carl Anthony Towns was on the team and they won. It was November. It was before Thanksgiving. Right. That's insane. They have yeah. 15 wins. This Cra- team is terrible. Yeah, crazy frustrating. And they, and they started well, too. That's the thing is why well, I, I think they were they had like, they were like 8-4 and four at one point, I think. Yeah, at one point, I truly did think that, you know, Cat figured this thing out yeah. and he was going to put him on his back. And, and, you know, and Wiggins had some nice moments in the beginning of the season, but that pair just doesn't work. No. It's, it hasn't been working. It, it's not going to work at this point. And I just, you know— it, it sucks because you always go back to the Jimmy Butler thing. You're like, yo, maybe these guys are soft. Or maybe this is – and I do think that they're soft, but I, I like this switch for for the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves because first, you know, they wanted D'Angelo Russell, and they went and got him. And imagine how, you know, Carl Anthony Towns feels as a player. You're like, my organization, they're trying to do things that are going to work. And they tell me they're going to get someone, they get them. Yeah. This this creates uh, some sort of trust between him and the front office. And maybe this goes a long way with them eventually keeping him down the road. Yeah. But – well, and they're both under contract now. That's the biggest thing is, you know, with the extension this offseason, you don't even have to worry about re-signing D'Angelo Russell and playing exactly. that game. He's locked up. I'm sure for him, you got to be thrilled a little bit, having some consistency, obviously been bouncing around a little bit. Um, on the other side of the coin, you know, Golden State, we talked about this a bit, and I have, because I have a lot of different opinions, and I've, mm-hmm. I've been pretty hard on Andrew Wiggins. We all have, because he of just kind of hasn't developed despite all that potential. 
And so my initial thought is if Wiggins, there, I mean, there's two schools of thoughts here. One is if that Wiggins doesn't develop. I mean, this is a disaster, honestly, I feel like for the Warriors, because you know you paid all this money to go out and get D'Angelo Russell. You traded some of your players from the championship teams. And I think there are a lot of teams who would have given you quite a good haul for D'Angelo Russell. Maybe I'm wrong there, and the maybe his standing in the league wasn't as high as I thought it was. But you know, we're talking about a guy who's two years removed from an all-star berth, a guy who got a max contract this past summer. Um, I just feel Do I like freedom to uh, to to crap on uh, D'Angelo Russell for like a half a second. Yeah, go ahead. All right, I was talking about this on Twitter, and it's just like I don't are Warriors fans really that upset that they let D'Angelo Russell go? Are they or are they upset because they felt like they could have got more? I think it's that. Because I think it's the latter one. To me, I think this is fair. Honestly, like him and Wiggins, like. I'm not. I think he's better than Wiggins, but I think that they're more comparable than people. You know, obviously they have a slightly different styles. I'm talking about just production and what they can bring to a team. I think they're more comparable than people actually want to admit. Like D'Angelo Russell, he had you know an All Star year last year, and but they got to the seventh seed, and that same team right now. When they got to six seed, actually, I'll, I'll give them you know because the Magic are actually in the seventh spot. But they got to 60. And that same team right now is in the seventh seed. And Kyrie only played 20 games. What they got going over there with Kenny Atkinson and all that depth with Dinwiddie and LaVert and Jared Allen, all these guys, it's a good team. I feel I feel that what that was is more of an anomaly because, you know, think about since he's been in the playoffs, we haven't really seen that consistent consistently good D'Angelo Russell since the end of last regular season. Yeah, I, I do agree to an extent that I think there's a cap on how good D'Angelo Russell is. Like, I think D'Angelo Russell is a really good or too great player. I don't think he's like, a, I mean, I don't think he's a, like a top 25 player, for example, one of those type of players who really makes a That's difference and puts you over though. the top. Yeah, but when he was to that all-star season, I think in what he was doing for Brooklyn. But, you know, I, I don't know how... I don't know. I think it is one of those return things because I think you just look at some of the other packages. And I think also times like Warriors fans probably got ahead of themselves a little bit. I mean, we saw all those, for example, like those D'Angelo Russell for Ben Simmons rumors. Well, if that's what you think you're getting in return, then of course I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> that makes if I sense. Get that makes sense. That, I, I can I can understand that prism of thought for sure. But I was also going to say Warriors, Warriors fans are still kind of like punch drunk in love with who they were like how could you not it's one season removed from one of the greatest you know also you know i guess it's amount of time that's one of the greatest dynasties ever in nba history yeah so of course they're still punch drunk in love about it but wiggins though wiggins and you and i kind of agree here and that's the other school of thought that i was talking about earlier is it's like i know wiggins is a bust yeah but i'd be kind of lying to you all if i came on here and said that i think minnesota is a really bad organization and that I think that Andrew Wiggins doesn't have a chance to develop elsewhere. And I guess I'm curious. I need to see it because there are, you know, big time. Like Andrew Wiggins' pace is slower than Andre Drummond's. Like, That's how insane. is that happening when he's a forward? Like, and I just, I do worry about the efficiency has never been there. It's been a lot of empty scoring with the other, you know, the other stats haven't been there as much. He's, you know, he's not facilitating too much. It's not like he's a great rebounder or anything. But like you said, Golden State's got that winning culture. They've been really good the last couple of years. They exactly. have developed guys. And so you come I, in there, like you you go to the Golden State system, you play 
like Golden State. And from a strictly <laughs> fit perspective, in terms of how that starting lineup fits, obviously he fits a lot better than D'Angelo a Russell. A lot better did. in that three spot. And then because when D'Angelo Russell was there, you're pretty much putting Clay Thompson at the three slot, and I didn't like that per yeah. se either. So I think everyone's in their more natural position with him in in the game, and it's like there are so many people from Warriors Twitter and so many people from you know you know NBA B writers and everything don't compare him to Harrison Barnes, but it's really hard not to. Oh, I know because it just it you know and also I was like on Twitter there was some debate going on about you know this we'll get into it when we talk about Iguodala and everything. But I, I went back to 2016 uh, finals and just looking at Harrison Barnes's number, and it's just like, man, like if he could have gave him anything. But that whole season, he was like Harrison Barnes was like about to get a max contract if he didn't disappear he did. in the finals. Yeah, I mean, he did. Dallas like, gave it well, to yeah, him. He still did. But you know, that's what I'm saying. That I think that he could fit really well in his role as someone who can be. That that at the rim presence, you know. At the end of the day, like Steph and Clay are not the most athletic guys. Like no. they're not going and dunking on anyone. They're not driving to the rim with authority like the way Wiggins could because he's really athletic, man. The guy has a lot. He's skilled with with, with these with, with with great athleticism, and that's gonna help the Warriors out a little bit. And he has all the tools, even though he's not a great defender. I think he has all the tools and he, and that's, to be one. And that's why it's so just. That's why there's hope for this still, I guess, is because Wiggins has all the tools. Like, there's a reason he was such a highly touted prospect. I mean, I even go back to when Jimmy Butler was there, and when he was leaving the Wolves and, you know, practicing with the third stringers, I'll never forget one of those first interviews. And he even said, with Cat there, with all these guys, he said, Andrew Wiggins is the most talented player on that team. Yeah, but you know, another thing for me, like, I feel like Wiggins gets a ton of, you know, he gets a ton of flack for being a bad defender, and... Some of that's on Carl Anthony Towns too, man. Because when you watch some of their games, it's so many miscommunications, and it looks like those two specifically are almost never on the same page defensively. Like no. when he's shading the guy this side, Carl Anthony Towns thinks a whole other thing's gonna happen. If he's dropping, he thinks he's gonna be pulling up. It, it, I don't know, you know. And for what it's worth, I mean, Andrew Wiggins is still 24 years old. Insane, um, isn't it? I'm looking at his advanced numbers and. They're all better than they've ever really been. I mean, his defensive box plus minus is down from what it or is up from what it has been in the past. I mean, he's still a negative. He's a, a negative minus one point three in defensive box plus mm -hmm. minus right now. But I mean, his overall in, in terms of offense, I mean, he's positive in offense right now. It's the first time that's happened in two years. His overall is positive. That's the first time that's ever happened in his career. His warp is positive for the first time in his career as well. Um, you know, th like I said, the raw tools are still there. You just like I want to see him put it together, um, and this is his chance, really, because I, I mean, it, at this point, if it doesn't work here in Golden State, you know, I, I don't really know where it's going to. At some point, he's going to have to take a very dramatically reduced role somewhere, probably else, because Golden State. Well, that's the thing. Is he going to be able to go anywhere else with that contract if he doesn't show up? No, and the well, and that's the th I mean, maybe when it gets closer to expiring. But, exactly, you know, we're so, talking years from now, so I don't know. Um, but my initial reactions there, I mean, it's great. Like I said, it's great for Minnesota. Minnesota needed it in a bad way. Um, definitely a really, really good the, move for them. What about the picks for the Warriors? How you feel about those picks? Those twenty twenty one. Well, isn't the second isn't isn't a twenty twenty two for the second round pick? Yeah. So and and the first rounder is so protected that I'm not really you know super worried about it. it it's not like they're getting what could be the Timberwolves pick this year, which could be a little bit higher. Mm -hmm. Um, so, it, you know, it, it's, it, they're betting big on Wiggins and look, if it wins, if it works and he becomes the player we all thought he could be 
all those light years comments are going to come back, and deservedly <laughs> so. Um, I'm interested, though. I, I am intrigued in Very Andrew Wiggins, but, like well, How do you feel that we didn't really talk about the Timberwolves going forward with with um, D'Angelo Russell and Cat? Do you think that's going to help them? Could this help? Well, they're not going to make a playoff push, but can they finish the season strong with promise to make you think that this is going to be something that we can be excited for? I think it won't be as bad as it is right now, and, that, and that's at <laughs> least all you could ask for. Um, I don't know how – in terms of sheer win total, I don't know how much better they're going to be. They're not going to make a playoff push, but, no, but could, it, could, could, they, could they put, you know, 20, 20 – you know, 20 more wins. Could they, could they push, you know, getting close to 40 wins? Could they do it? You think so? Maybe. And, I mean, the, it, look, if the duo plays well together, that's all you can ask for. Because the thing is, then next year you can fill the roster out around them a little bit more and, and kind of tool it more to what it was supposed to be. Um, I, but, yeah, I don't – if they win 20 more games the rest of the season, I'm thrilled going into next year for a Warriors fa- or a Timberwolves fan. Exactly. But I'm still pretty thrilled regardless because, obviously, you already know the conversation that's going to come next – they're going to try to pry Devin Booker. That's already started buzzing Man, on Twitter. It, it, they said they, they had a Slam Magazine feature where they said, we all want to play together somewhere. Yeah. But could they even put together a package? I, uh, no, is the short. They're going to need help. He would have to force his way out. Devin Booker yeah. would have to force his way even out. Even then, I still wouldn't probably. They need a third team. Yeah, because Phoenix is going to get a haul for that. And I don't really know that Minnesota has what it takes to get, or would have it to make a better offer at least. Um, and, I mean, Phoenix – Obviously, just shouldn't sell on somebody for the sake of selling because they all want to play together. Um, I, I saw a meme today with uh, Squidward looking out the window and seeing SpongeBob and Patrick running in uh, joy together. And uh, SpongeBob <laughs> and Patrick were Cat and D'Lo, and Squidward was Devin Booker. So I, I, you know, I just got a good laugh out of that. Internet's already on fire. Uh, all right, going to the Sixers now. I apologize. The Homer hat's going on for two seconds. Uh, Sixers get Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson the third from the Warriors. Uh, the Warriors get three second-round picks from the Sixers, uh, one this upcoming year in 2020, one in 2021, and one in 2022. Um, you know, I, I think the Sixers – I haven't had a chance to go full depression Sixers on this podcast oh, I've yet. Been, I, I didn't even want to reach out to you, dude, after the Miami loss, man, because I, I literally felt bad. I'm, like, I, it's it's been a little it's been a little rough the past week. I, I think people kind of got the vibe last week because <laughs> that was before the Miami and the Boston loss. That was after they lost to Atlanta. Um, and it was, it hasn't been fun and they're playing Milwaukee tonight. And so it may not get uh, fun anytime. So though, knowing this team, the way they'll do, they'll they're going to win this game. Totally, and it's going to irritate me because I'm going to hear about flipping the switch, but in a vacuum, I, I do really like this move, uh, for the two, for the Sixers, obviously. I mean, look, I guess I think it's as good as they're going to get. Like they don't frankly have the assets and that's a whole other conversation that I can reserve my ire for another day, mm-hmm. but they just don't have the type of package to go out and get a really a game changer at this point. And unless you could have got somebody to take on Al Horford or, or Tobias Harris, and I wouldn't move Tobias Harris at this point in terms of what the team needs. Like, you know, I know he's been a little disappointing in terms of his shooting numbers, but you know, he you know, still don't take away one of the better shooters on a team that's averaging like them. 19 points still. Even though I think he's a total disappointment, and I never, I think he's overpaid. Him. Like well, I, exactly, I, that's what it is. I think he got overpaid for his role in the team, and and that's. My frustration with getting the Tobias deal is that we overpaid, knowing that we were going to have to overpay him. Yeah. Um, but that's a, a totally different point. He's but, a good player, though. Yeah, no, he is. And he's I, just and not I, living up to the contract. No, well, he's just not like he's not getting paid like a, he's getting paid like a top fifteen player, and he's yes. just not a top fifteen player. But and I think we kind of knew that at the time. Um, but no, I, Burks has been incredible for the Warriors this year, and you know, in terms of what the Sixers need, they need shooting. Alec Burks is a really solid shooter. Mm-hmm. Glenn Robinson, in theory, should be a good shooter as well. Um, again, only given 
giving up second round picks. This is a team that's going all in now. It's not like, and you know, you're not, they're not giving up first rounders here. Jair Smith is still on the roster, mm. regardless of what you think about him as a prospect. He's probably the, I mean, Tybal could has more value than Jair well, Smith, doubt. way he, more at that point. But you're not moving Matisse Tybal. He was like, on the, the untouchable list, as I yeah. as I was told. Unbelievable. Yeah. Or or yeah, absolutely. I mean, it it would be. It would be a, we'd be having a rant going for the ages. Okay, of well, I do want to put I, I do want to put you on a, a little spot real quick mm-hmm. and ask if over the next ten games, ten to 15, yeah, ten games, things are not looking up. It's you guys are spiraling down. Yeah, do you fire Brett Brown? I don't think you fire him mid season, uh, just because though I'll, I'll say this: this is the first time I thought they were close losing to Miami the other Man. night. But I just don't think there's a better candidate out there right now. And I think it's kind of with the team in general is that there are big, obviously worthy questions about just how good this team is, what their ceiling is. Mm-hmm. Their road issues have been well documented, even with them smoking everybody at home. It's just, I mean, how is that possible? They're six right now. And that's the thing. So you're looking at, I mean, they're tied with Indy in terms of games. So even if you're five or six, you're looking at a road playoff series and a, a yeah. team that, I mean, they by far have the worst record of the playoff teams on the road and against the top 13 in the NBA. I mean, they have the best record against the top 13 teams in the NBA at home and the worst on the road. I mean, it, it's an astounding split. It's it, like, you almost just can't believe it. It's such a drastic fall off. Um, How do you feel about the locker room tor- turmoil that's been going on, though? Like with, with these cryptic messages. Well, not cryptic. Just sounds like straight subliminal dissing to you know it's each tone. other on the team. It's there. It's valid and it's concerning. And it, it's the first red flags you have with Joel and Ben and them going forward together long term. I mean, they've both have talked extensively about you know, maximizing what they have together. And, you know, you don't want to the – com- the combo that they made and that I'm sure our Orlando listeners will love is that they, they don't want to be Penny and Shaq. They don't want to have this look back and go, well, what could have this been if we stayed together? Um, they want to at least ride it out. And that's kind of where I think they are is I think they're going to ride it out this year. A, mm-hmm. because I don't think they have much of a choice. I mean, they'll be active in the buyout market for sure, but I just don't really know. Like, I don't think there's anything that they could have done short of trading Ben or Joel that – would have really drastically shaped this team. And I just think that's probably short-sighted at this point. Without I think you you let it ride out. You see what they could do. Maybe the talent comes together. and Maybe they do actually flip the switch. Now, I don't think they have a switch to flip. I think it's like the Celtics last year. I've said this on the podcast. Like, mm-hmm. I think by All-Star break, you kind of know who the team is. Yeah. And there's just too much inconsistency there. Um, we'll see. They had a players-only meeting the other night. Josh Richardson led it, apparently. You know, hopefully they get back on the same page. It seemed like they had great chemistry going into the year, and and everything felt like it was clicking, and it, it's all gone downhill. There's a lot of frustration there. Um, I do think if they take a first or a second round exit, that Brett Brown is not the coach of this team next year. Mm. I don't think it's his fault necessarily, but I also think we're at the point too where you know he hasn't really dug them out of the muck either. And at some point, you know, I've been a huge ardent Brett Brown supporter. I've I've thought that. You know, the, all the rumors around him have been really ridiculous and kind of unfair for the past few seasons. But like, mm-hmm. this is the first year where it's kind of starting to break a little bit. Um, and I just because I feel like too, once you lose the locker room, it doesn't matter how good of a coach you are. Exactly. Do you, do you see what people are? Well, you know, you watch Sixers games closely, closer than I do. You know, they're saying the the interactions with players are getting more dismissive. You know. Yeah. And that's crazy because that's that means it's over. No, you can see it in the body language, and that and that's what I I mean. I tweeted it the other night. I, I said them losing is not as concerning to me to just the perpetual lack of focus and what seems like a lack of effort in the body language. Like you kind of can tell these guys don't like each other, yeah. and that's a big issue going forward. I mean, you know, there there's so many things that go into winning a championship, but 
all these championship teams have chemistry at first, at least when they're winning it. You know, something might happen along the line, a word to the Warriors and KD and, mm-hmm. and how that whole thing ended, but you know, that wasn't happening at first when it, you know, it all was going together in those first couple of years. And, you know, Joel and Ben have played together a couple of years now, so you know, maybe it's at that point. I'm still again, I don't want them breaking this duo up. Not we're just not there yet. I agree. But you know, the long term is definitely worth watching now. And I think that goes back to, you know, what I hinted with Colangelo and, and with Elton Brand is they had took a lot of the a lot of their lottery tickets, they just went away. Like they kind of cashed them in right away. And they had a real chance last year to win the title. I I maintain uh. that. That um, one hurts the most. Because, well, not I'm, I'm sure it hurts you more because it was a very painful way to go out. But I truly, in my heart of hearts, believe they could, they should have made it to the finals. If they beat Toronto, they win the they, title they're last gonna, year. They would have mopped Golden State last yeah. year. Golden State would have, they would have had nothing. They would have won. They would have won. I am, and that's why that one haunts me more than anything because I really truly believe they would have won the title last year had they beat Toronto. I think they would have beat Milwaukee. I think they were matched. They were built to beat them. Yeah. And I think they were, would have beat Golden State at that point, given yeah. all the injuries and, and how everything played out. But um, it, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. And Elton Brand interesting. again too is going to have you know he's another one who come yeah. off season. This, that's what that's why I think that Brett's going to have to go soon because well, Brett's going to be gotta the scapegoat. Sa- he's got to save face because he's like I got to get someone who can make this work because this is his creation. Yeah. I mean, it's him and Brian Colangelo, and and that's the reality of it now. Is you know, but you know, you can blame Colangelo, and I do for a lot of the things that went wrong for this. But you know, Elton Brand made the Jimmy Butler trade. Elton Brand made the uh, made the Tobias Harris trade. Those are his makings. He signed Al Horford. Yeah, this is you know, this is his baby. Hundred percent. And I, but I do feel like Brett will get scapegoated for better or for worse. But again, if they go to the conference finals. Different story, of but if, if they take a first or a second round exit, Ooh, it's going to be a hot summer. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Brett survives. There's just no way around it. All right, switching gears now. Uh, going speaking of hot, let's go to the Miami Heat. Uh, their trade with Memphis, uh, one of the bigger ones as well. Uh, Memphis traded Andre Iguodala, Jay Crowder, and Solomon Hill to Miami. Um, and Memphis, in turn, got Justice Winslow, Dion Waiters, and James Johnson. And then uh, a secondary move with that, the Grizzlies have already moved uh, James Johnson. He'll be going to the Wolves uh, for Gorgie Dang. And then uh, Dion Waiters will get cut by the um, by the Grizzlies here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, And then Iguodala got an uh, extension as part of the steals, yes. uh, what I'm trying to say here. Two years, uh, $30 million. The second one is an option. Obviously, the Heat want to keep their flexibility open for 2021, make an, uh, another run in a max guy. I'm trying to fill this roster out, but you know, you and I have talked about this a little bit, and I think we're kind of on the same page here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I've seen a lot of reaction going, "Oh man, this is the the move the Heat needed. They're you know real Eastern contenders now." Which I, I thought they were all real already, real exactly. Eastern contenders. So I, I don't really, you know, I guess I already believed in them in that sense. But how good is Andre Iguodala in 2020, Lewis? Oh man, it's a shame because he's washed. Like. Are we forgetting the last time we saw Andre Godala? The Toronto Raptors weren't even playing him. They were leaving him out there by himself. He made one shot, and Steph said it was disrespectful to leave him open, and they continued to leave him open, and that was what did the Warriors in. And also, the guy, I mean, he's getting up there in age. Like, how many injuries did he have to play through and come back from? Yeah. Like, I, I, it's good that he got this time off because, you know, he's been a part of that Warriors team that's been going to the playoffs, and I mean the finals, you know, three, four, five years in a row. So I totally understand. But at the end of the day, I just don't know how much he has left to give a championship contending team. I don't think he's the piece. I don't think he puts the heat over the edge. But I will say this. When I think about those playoffs, 
And I think about Jimmy, Bam, and Iggy locking up. I go, hmm. And that's what you hope it is. Because, um, you know, Iguodala's been in, in such a unique situation since 2015. And obviously bought himself a lot of capital with 2015 with that incredible defensive performance on LeBron in that finals. But, I mean, they've essentially kept Andre Iguodala on an ice block for three quarters of the season. And then come playoff time, they melted it. They used essentially in carbonite. They unfroze him. Exactly. And said, all right, Andre, go out here and defend Lock LeBron. Up. You know, in, in, the, in the last Western Conference Finals for the game that, you know, sealed it against the uh, the Portland Trailblazers, he's the one stripping Damian Lillard. Mr. I score 50 every night. In, in the Western Conference Finals. So we know if he's healthy and he can play, he can still play some defense. But offensively, I just feel like he's such a liability nowadays, and it's really going to show in the playoffs. I think he can contribute something, but I think it's just so overstated. And yeah. they were talking, you know, he's making like $17 million this year, and they were saying how all these teams to try to trade for him. And I'm like, imagine giving up quality rotation players. For Andre Iguodala, break in case of emergency. Yeah, and, and that's my whole thing is here. And Now, on the other hand, and Memphis should get a lot of credit for this deal. I love this deal from Memphis. Memphis has been just on fire. The Dylan Brooks signing they made the other night was like great it. value. Obviously, with, with John and Jaron, they just – like, I'm, I'm dangerously close to, like <laughs> – really becoming a fake Grizzlies fan here, like actually doing it. They're going to be a fun team in the playoffs, man, because they don't care. No, no, they don't. And and we'll get into the kind of the beef part of it, too. I, I did want to talk about that at some point. And, you know, I don't think this is a clear, clear, like guaranteed win for the Grizzlies. Like everybody, is, it's still a win for the Grizzlies. But Justice Winslow has missed a lot of games in the past two or three seasons. Without and that's the one thing. He's been great when he's on the floor. And I still think, again, Andre Udala literally wasn't reporting to Memphis, so the fact that you got a potentially useful young player to add to the score out of this mm -hmm. already makes it a great move for Memphis. But Justice Winslow needs to be on the floor, and that's where I want to see that out of the, you know, I want to see that going forward. That's the biggest thing. He's talented, and he's developed when he's there, but he's got to be there. But that that's why I was, like, happy with how it shook out for Miami as well, because at the end of the day, Ju Justice Winslow hasn't been on the floor. He hasn't played that often this season. When he has, he's actually you know and I've come around on Justice Winslow because for very long you know I was like this kid is he sucks he's not it you know he's never going to be able to be developed into like a jump shooter be able to create but you know over the course of last season he really got his jump shot rolling like yeah. I, I saw when he played the Lakers things were like 28 points and he made like four or five threes and I was like man I've never seen him play this way and after that like you know in that stretch he just had momentum going and he had a good summer and I really thought he was going to be you know a big contributor you know because he thinks when I think of the heat I, I kind of think of him he's one, he's one of those carryover guys from Dwayne Wade yeah but uh he said Dwayne Wade said that's his rook you know but uh, I think the Heat, man, Pat Riley, we got we got to give him some credit. Like what he's doing, what he's putting together, and how he's making he's making nothing into sunshine. No, I mean the fact that he got Jimmy Butler with no cap space already is that. I mean, what else is there to say right there? And that's just in the off season. Um, they didn't end up landing Danilo Gallinari. Uh, that was the other rumor where they were going because I was just sitting there. I'm like, it's like, man, if he gets no Iguodala and Gallo. Because but you know they were trying to sign Gallo. Gallo was basically waiting to hit the open market because he knows he's going to make a ton of money next year. Well, yeah, that's what they said. They couldn't agree on the extension because they yeah. wanted to kind of get that going. And first I selfishly as well. am excited. I you know 
OKC's been fun this year. Like, I know Gallo's expiring and clearly isn't a long-term part of, of their course. team. OKC's been a really fun watch. I kind of wanted them to run it a little bit. Oh, no. It, it, I definitely want to see what OKC can do, but I just thought it would have been more intriguing if Gallo could have went to the Heat because that East is so, like, besides Milwaukee waiting for you at the, the end, that East can be anything, you yeah. know, with those contenders, you know, t- two through six, you know, it really could just be anything. So I, I'm kind of bummed out that that doesn't get to happen. But, man, Pat Riley really got off Deion Waiters and James Johnson in this trade. Yeah. How did he do it? Oh, and the, right, because, I mean, we're talking about the, the Heat's, you know, who's really getting paid a lot in terms of the Heat's cap. I mean, those are two of them right there. The bigger, I mean, at this point, your last big contracts really are Goran Dragic, who's expiring. Exactly. And, um, and Kelly Olynyk. And, I mean, Kelly Olynyk's still a useful rotation player. It's not like that's sitting there like a bad contract or anything like that. Yeah, so I, I think he did a really fine job. And in everything, every NBA team, that's been the theme of this trade deadline, get cap. Yeah. Acquire cap to set yourself up for 2021. Yeah, guys are loading up. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I worry, again, like you said, how much – I don't know how much Iggy is going to push them and make them a definitive, like, second-place contender, although I already kind of think they are that. But, um, you know, the fact – great deal for Memphis – could very well be a great deal for Miami, too. I'm just not ready to call it that yet, but it's, you know, I'm not, nobody's getting fleeced here, put it that way. Um, and just getting that cap open, too, like you said, 2021. All right, a minor deal here. Wizards and Nuggets uh, swapped guards. The Wizards dealt Jordan McRae for Shabazz Napier. Uh, Napier had already been moved from the Timberwolves, so he's just, uh, you know, really flying around. I thought Napier was going to get a lot of minutes, honestly, as the Wolves' point guard. Obviously, we know yeah, that's too. not happening. Um, but you know, the fact that, uh, you know, good for Mc, I mean, good for McRae going to Denver now. It's exactly. Come over him. It's going to be a great opportunity for him to kind of shine a little bit more, especially with, with the depth of the Denver Nuggets and how they use a lot of their players in that rotation. I think, you know, the world may get a chance to, you know, see him shine a little bit more. Yeah. And Napier will get solid minutes, um, in Washington as Napier, well. still so. doing it, man. It's yeah. crazy. Cause I always remember Shabbat, obviously for UConn and, you know, all, everything he did for there. But in, in the NBA, I just remember him as the guy LeBron said, that's my favorite player in the draft. Yeah. And he, he pretty much made the heat draft. Him, and then he left only to go back to the Cavs. I feel like we, that the never gets talked about ever. Right. LeBron said, I don't know what I'm doing. It probably made his mind up to go to Cleveland, but said, nah, I love Shabazz Napier. You guys should draft him. Anyway. Anyway, and then just bounced anyway. Exactly. Oh, it, that's it. I'm glad you remember that because oh, that yeah. that's an underrated. Real like, quick, though, before we – I kind of put it back to heat for a reason because I want to talk really fast about the disrespect, okay, of Stephen Curry. <laughs> I'm, I'm a Steph apologist, guys. And I just – Steph better, hashtag? Oh, big time. I'm big Steph better. You – I've been chilling because it's weird now that my team is 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 competitive again, and I actually want us to win. <laughs> so I don't I don't mind the Warriors sucking, but it does feel good to root for the Warriors a little carefree because they're a little worse. But what I must say is, John Morant, I actually love that kid. Oh yeah, I love that kid in every every aspect of his game, his personality. He doesn't take BS. He doesn't take any. But he came at the king he came at the goat pg and i felt stuff because andre iguodala goes to bat for his legacy all the time he's uh-huh. like oh i'm doing it for steph legacy i'm trying yeah, to he, yeah yeah he does he goes to bat for stuff so steph was like it's only right for me to come up in his in his time of need when he needs me to go to bat for him i'll remind him when he's a three-time champion in the finals mvp you know but coming with the slight of saying Kevin Durant, posting a picture of kevin durant's finals mvp i just thought that was a little too far for me because Steph, his obviously, you know, I'm not that guy. Get off my lawn. I want to talk about him. But being in the Steph fan camp, I got to put that hat on. Steph is one of the greatest players that ever played this game. One of the top five facts 
point guards already. And if you ask me, he the top one. But wow. one of the top, yeah, I got Woo. him. Over, I do. I over do. magic. Wow. I got him over magic because with Stephen Curry, he's changed the game. He did. You, like what Dame's doing, it's crazy because I always say if Stephen Curry wasn't in the league, we would be saying Damian Lillard is <laughs> the most fantastic guy we've ever if seen. Dame was on Golden State, you could argue that you know if it had been Dame and Clay and Dre, I think it works as as well as it does exactly. with Steph. I don't, I don't know if it works step. just as well. Like I don't know, seventy three wins and everything yeah, like true. that. I don't know if that works just as well, but I think they're still championship contenders. But for me, it's just like, man, how quick have we forgotten the greatness of Stephen Curry? I just feels like everyone from all facets of Twitter and NBA talk, they just they're doing everything to talk about this guy. And, you know, as much as I love Durant and think he's a fantastic guy, come on, guys. He came to to the, the winning side. Well, that's the interesting part because it's like we kill KD for going to the Warriors, or at least it felt like NBA players killed KD for going to the Warriors. And now here's John Morant saying, yo, y'all wouldn't have won anything without KD after and- those couple of years. So it, it's really interesting. I, I like both sides of it because I don't know where I fall on this issue. Because on one hand, I'm like, Andre Iguodala, you signed a guaranteed contract. Like I feel him though. I feel him because no, no, Memphis- I feel John Morant. Oh, okay. And, oh, and oh no, I totally Brooks. feel John Morant. John Morant, I would be because here's the thing. Like I get Iggy's perspective in the sense that you know Memphis was expected to be bad this year. Like mm-hmm. Iggy's in the if at the end of his career, he's at a point where he wants to go out on a contender. I get that. You also signed a guaranteed contract, and that's what happens when unfortunately you sign a guaranteed contract. It's like, look, you got your money, but you may get put to a situation like this. So. I don't always necessarily know that, you know, that maybe that wasn't handled well, the right way what necessarily. A, did you hear what a mean uh, Al Hassan said about it? He mm-hmm. said that Iggy didn't even get assigned a number. So it had to be some type of agreement that he probably he wasn't going to play for this team. Oh, no, they knew that. And Memphis, and I think Memphis handled it really, really well. They never Memphis. find him, you no, know? No, they created because Iggy, Iggy Dalla is extremely respected throughout the league. So that's the thing is you don't want to just dump on this guy. But, yeah, I mean. Like, I understand why John Moran and why Dylan Brooks and why all these guys are frustrated. Because if I'm a young player who's coming in the league and I'm working my rear end off and I've, I've been on Memphis and I've been one of the better stories of the year, mm-hmm. we've been competitive night in and night out. Like, yeah, I would feel a way about it, too, if you don't want to suit up with me and you don't want to come into this team because they feel like they're already good and probably could benefit from somebody who like like Iguodala. But no, I love the initial comments of going, yo, I hope he gets traded so we can go out there and he can bust his rear end. Yeah, like, You didn't want to be here. So, I, I mean, I could get being slighted by that. But I just love I love the attitude, man. It's just everything about John Morant. Like the guy is just so fearless how he attacks the rim. And I mean, I mean, though it all goes back to the coming out moment for me, and it didn't happen, but Kevin just Love. to have the gall to try to just ruin Kevin Love like that and just clear him in a game, like it, you know, it, it's, I'm in. A, it's I'm a rolling. fantastic almost poster. Like if you clip it at the right time, it looks like it went in. No, but I love John Morant's fiery compassion because that—that's what you know. I, I relate to something like that, and I, I relate to you know. I'm against the world. I, I don't think anyone's better than me. I just feel like, hey man, when Steph, Steph, when Steph bigs up his guy, you can leave it alone. You know, well, See, and that's the he thing never played against Steph Curry, so he don't understand. He yeah. don't understand what it's like. No, I, I get it, but like, I mean, Steph also inserted himself in the situation too. So it's like, you know. Listen, if you want, if you want to jump in the fray, <laughs> you won't smoke too. <laughs> I like that he's not afraid of anybody because, because, like Me you too, said, like Steph Curry's it. one of the best players in basketball over the past few years. So you know, but I, I just, I love the fearlessness. Uh, we're not doing hot takes from Reddit on this episode. Spoiler alert, in case anybody was like listening to the end, looking for that. But um, man, that John Morant dunk would have had a real strong case as the greatest in-game dunk history. Think about for a rookie love. though. That would have been like 
probably the greatest dunk for a rookie. I mean, it's essentially the same thing that Vince did over Frederick Weiss back in the day. And I mean, obviously, the, like Weiss is, was seven feet tall. So it, and also, Vince is taller. Yeah, and so and like it's not like Kevin Love is like he's not he's a not guard out here. He's not D'Angelo Russell. He's not you know Steph Curry. He's not. It's a big guy. Yeah. So. It would have absolutely been crazy. Um, all right, going to the Clippers now. Mm-hmm. Um, Clippers making one of the bigger deals as well. Marcus Morris out of New York going there. Um, this is a three-team deal. The Wizards got involved in that as well. The Wizards get Jerome Robinson. The Knicks get Mo Harkless and the 2020 first-rounder from the Clippers. Obviously going to be a little, lo- little bit lower there. Isaiah Thomas was also involved in this deal. The Clippers will not be keeping him. But, you know, right away. For the Clippers, just a great pickup. I think that goes without saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marcus Morris fits so well in that lineup. You run him out there with PG and Kawhi and, and Zubak, and you know essentially you have your starting lineup in place. Mo Harkless is a good player, but you know this is the type of deal that you make. A lot of contenders were interested in Marcus Morris. Mm-hmm. He obviously brings that toughness to that roster. And I, again, this just the Clippers are loaded. I just still feel like they, come playoff time, it's a really tough roster to beat. I know obviously you're a Lakers guy, so you know you want all the smoke with them. Big time. I, I'm sick of these guys. Honestly, like, <laughs> you don't understand. Like they're they're like that that little brother. Who has this growth spurt, and then he's just like, you know, he's hitting you in, in the shoulder when he walks past you. You know, he's eating your cereal. You know, he he's planning your things. It, it's it's just it. I hate them right now. Like I, they're so annoying to me. We've been going at it since the summer with Kawhi Leonard, yeah. and and they get you know the guy we wanted the year before Paul George. So this rivalry, you know, even even when they were good, Lob City, it was never really a rivalry because we weren't good at the same time. No, but for the first time, we're truly butting heads as franchises and. I'm sick of it. Obviously, you know, we're, we're also fighting over Darren Collison, who's still, you know, deciding if he wants to leave his life of knocking on doors and sh- telling people about the Lord or coming to the NBA and, you know, <laughs> run, make a postseason run. So we've been just fighting with them over everyone. I think it's obviously a good pickup. I honestly think Marcus Morris fits better with their kind of vibe of their locker room and their chemistry. He's like a junkyard dog, you know? Oh, yeah. And they got a couple of those already. A silent one, and they got a loud one in Patrick Beverly. So I, and, they, and they got Montrez Harrell as well. Yeah. So I think this makes them better. It does, and it improves their, their roster. And first off, they were able to give a bunch of whatever. You know, Jerome Robinson and all of these different guys, I just – we we couldn't compete with that because they wanted to get. Did you see what they were rumored to be asking for for this guy? It was like Kyle Kuzma, Danny Green, yeah. and a pick. Yeah, no, that was the, and they rightfully the Lakers walked away from that immediately. Kuzma is one thing, but giving up Danny Green too, like no, no, that's okay. Like I, I'm saying no on that deal. It, for it's, the Lakers. it's stupid to me. Like, well, first I'm I am one of the people who in Lakers Nation, I'm very happy we kept. Kuzma. Actually, I'm very happy we just stayed pat because mm-hmm. I think we have enough. Yeah, I truly think we have enough to take it. Like everyone's so scared and like, oh my god, the season's over. First, we're the number one seed. That's us. We've lost to the Clippers two times. That's true. But each time we had double digit leads, and each time LeBron played way below normal LeBron. I'm not even saying crazy LeBron. Kawhi played way over, and LeBron played under. That that's just kind of how those games went, and and also, Anthony Davis has yet to truly erupt in these games. I mean, I think last game he had like six rebounds. And Anthony Davis, which I've learned having a closer eye on him, he's not like that kind of 
presence when it comes to rebounding. He's not the guy that's going to constantly, you know, snatch in double-digit rebounds. But he's he's usually closer to 10, if not above it. And six is just unacceptable. I think Patrick Beverly got a double-digit double, double digit rebounds that game. So I think a lot of the and, – and he was coming back from injury that time. He was just removed from, I think, the – I don't know if it was the buttocks injury or one of the injuries, but he just – it was like on his third game back. So they always catches us at weird time. The first time we played, it was the first time that five – 10 ever suited up together. The next time, we had some weird injury uh, things going on. LeBron missed a game. He played a game. So I'm not afraid of the Clippers. I just don't understand why Laker Nation is is so panicked by them. We lost a couple times, but guys, we're good. Well, and that's the thing, too, is there's something to be said about the chemistry, and, and that's what I think is, is the unmatched part. I mean, it's just little things. And I know that, obviously, you can't put too much stock into this, but there is something to be said when your entire bench is running over to pick LeBron up the other night when he's on a oh, hot streak. You can't break that team up, man. Yeah. It's just, and I know that there was a little bit with Kuzma, and it kind of felt like I don't know, like he's weirdly been on the outs here recently. You know, maybe that's going back to the, the trainer comments or something like that. But again, the way they're playing right now, like you said, they're the number one seed. I do think, for mental sake, that you guys would be served by beating the Clippers once in the regular season. <laughs> like I don't, if that season regular series gets swept, if we get swept. All right, we're. I'm not panicking, but I, it'll be a little weird. But people will be acting a little weird out here, you can and right, be a little so. afraid of that. But I just, it, what what do we know about LeBron James? No, I mean he goes to the finals he almost every year. He turns it on in the postseason. Yeah, we haven't. He hasn't made. He hasn't turned playoff mode on. I know it was unsuccessful last year, but he hasn't turned playoff well, mode last year, on. Last year was different too. Exactly, but and he's more refreshed. It's his first break since ever. He's feeling youthful. He had a fantastic game <laughs> against the Spurs the other he's night. He's playing defense in the regular season. The fact that he's playing defense in the regular season says everything you need to know. Like, he's playing this year. LeBron is locked in. It's a, you know, Le- LeBron is playing with that. He's creating his own underdog mentality. And, like, obviously, I, think, king, I think that's ridiculous. But LeBron really believes this washed king thing. It, it was and, some truth to it. People were coming at him sideways. I'm not going to lie about it. People were do, last year, yeah. Exactly. But I, I do want to... Uh, there are people dropping him out of the top five in the league, and it's like, wait, wait hang on, what? That was it, listen. I, I I I did that as well. I I was one of those people because you don't understand. From my sensibilities, I'm looking like, look what the other top five guys in the league are doing for their teams. Yeah, you know, we had more wins without him. You know, how do I, how am I supposed to feel? But also, uh, I just want to talk about Kuzma real quick. And you know, people get on Kuzma, and in the day, he's a young player. He's 24 years old, I know, because he, you know, he had a couple years in college. But the guy has come into this year injury riddled. He's had a couple injuries in season as well. He's had to play through, so he's always trying to find his rhythm. Anthony Davis is there. He's coming off the bench, and he's third option, sometimes fourth option on some nights. And I know he's averaging about 12, but we've seen him go off. We've on Christmas Day against the Clippers, he was the guy. He had 25. He was the, the high-point man. He he was the person that came up. He's had 30-point games. We know that he can do this. And these other guys that everyone wants to kind of put him against, like Marcus Morris and all these, like, you know, Bielitsa, if they were in Kuzma's role, they would have similar struggles. And their point totals wouldn't be as gaudy. If you put Kuzma by himself in New York, I guarantee you he'll have 20 a night. Oh, yeah. I mean, his his stats will be so would be so artificially inflated if he was playing for a team like that. Because I mean, especially where, and that's the thing is Kuzma doesn't need to be the main offensive guy in in the late. Something is wrong if Kyle Kuzma is is the main offensive exactly. guy. So, but no, like you said, I don't think there's anything wrong. There were a lot of people calling the Lakers losers today, and I just I didn't agree with that at all. I think like 
If it's not broken, don't fix How it. How could you I'm be not... losers with the number one record in the West? Right, and that's kind of my point. Is it's like, yeah, I, I get that the Clippers got better, and I still do think the Clippers are the favorites to come out of the West, but they didn't. Lakers didn't get any worse, and they're, it's them, the Clippers, and Denver to me. I'm, I'm still firmly on the. I think Denver is a real contender too. You think, I think Denver? You think you think Denver's that third team? You don't like? Well, I mean, Houston's a reinvented team now. I, Houston, and I got to see it, but I'm not as high on Houston. Utah, you're, you're not high on. Utah? I think Utah is just a tiny step below those three. Did I Denver think, just come back on Utah last yeah, night? Yeah, Denver came okay. back on Utah last night, and, and, and I got to hear. I'm tired of people hearing that, or I'm tired of hearing that Jokic isn't clutch and you can't go to him at the end of games when he's hitting that unathletic looking one legged. <laughs> Step back. He's done That's it done like couple, five times now. Yeah, I don't say he's season. done it a couple times. Like it's just for me the, the 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 part about Jokic that that just like last playoffs just show me he didn't. Well, at that time he didn't have the the type of instinct that I I, I would have liked him to. Yeah, and I and that'll be you know we'll see what happens this time around. But I'd also argue that you know last year was the first year they had real expectations. This is true, and the first time that they you know actually to play real meaningful minutes. All right, final trade here. A uh, little bit of a shocker because uh, it looked like at one point he wasn't going to be traded at all. It's been in the rumors for a month now, but Andre Drummond is going to Cleveland, and the Pistons in return are getting Brandon Knight and John Henson and a 2023 second-round pick. There are two school of thoughts here. I'll get to Detroit in a little bit because I, to spoiler alert, don't have many really nice things to say here. <laughs> um, but wow, I mean Cleveland. I didn't expect this at all coming for Andre Drummond. It, it it's like I, I, call, I said earlier today. It's like man, they're trying to they're doing their best, like you know, like uh, Sixers impression, like getting together all these big men who who don't really shoot the ball well. I just don't, I, I don't get it. And then I want to say he's nearing free agency, right? Yeah, no, this, he, he's, he's on expiring deal, and that's right? why the value is so much exactly. Lower. So I get it for cap reasons for the Cavs. But, you know, could he possibly be in any of their plans? Because think about it. All of their big men wanted out. Tristan Thompson wanted out. Kevin Love wanted out. So I, I don't know where – I don't know what their their strategy is going forward, but it gives them some space. See, I feel like they have to be – or, I mean, I don't know why you make the move. No, again, they didn't give up much, but – I feel like he has to be in the plans if you're making those moves. And in terms of Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson, I mean, Kevin Love, worst case scenario, you ride it out. And I mean, Andre Drummond's already tweeted him. So, I mean, Kevin Love is still good. You can play them together. Tristan Thompson's expiring. So, you know, at the end of the, at the, end of the day, um, yeah. So, the, I mean, Tristan's going to be walking, it looks like. I mean, I, I think there are a lot of people surprised he didn't get bought out this time around um, and to go to a contender on that front. But I mean, I, I for the Pistons, like, my only thinking here is that you just didn't want to pay Andre Drummond a lot of money, mm -hmm. which is fair. I mean, if that's the decision, you know, Andre Drummond is kind of a weird player to gauge his value in terms of center because some nights he looks like a top three center in the league and other nights it just looks like he's totally lost out yeah. there and he's getting run off the floor by Jaleel Okafor, which happened the one night against New Orleans. Yeah, it's um, tough for him. Honestly, I I was hearing like different rumblings and stuff about how maybe he wasn't going to resign anyway. If he had the choice, he was going to test free agency. I think he was for sure. You think he was going to resign? I think no. I think he was going to test free agency. Oh, okay, okay. Oh yeah. I don't. I don't think it was a lot. I mean, Detroit could have paid him a lot of money and maybe he stayed. That's like, what I'm saying. He seemed to like Detroit. That, for you know, crazy enough, he did love Detroit and he was stunned and shocked and you can tell by his messages, you know. But the funniest thing we talked about this earlier is he was upset that he didn't get a heads up from the team. You know, he didn't know this was going to happen. I'm like, dude. 
where have you been? Your name, D'Angelo Russell kept it real the other day when he was talking about the uh, the trade uh, the trade deadline and how his name's been out there. You know, how is it possible that Andre Drummond's name's been in trade for like a month and he had no clue? No, well, and that's the thing is it's like, and maybe they didn't give him a heads up, which if they didn't give him a heads up today when the deal was going down, it's kind of like, Detroit, that is what a little... you, Detroit, what are you doing? Like, like Andre Drummond has been one of their, probably their best player in the last six, seven, eight years, really. Um, and so, you know, just, it's, you know, doing a culture thing. Um, but I get why, I mean, unfortunately it stinks too. Like you said, because he's expiring, you can't really get a ton of value, but even still, this feels especially low for Andre so Drummond. So low. Brandon Knight. And John Henson. Right, like what like what are we doing here exactly? And and we're talking about a second rounder and and so for Cleveland, I think it's it's just a great deal no matter what. Because even if you don't have re-signing him, again, you're not really giving up that much. But to me, it feels like Cleveland wouldn't make this move if they weren't intending on throwing him a, a big offer sheet this summer. And you know, that makes sense. Maybe they decide to go that way. You you know, you pair on Drummond, you got Garland, you got Osman, you got uh Sexton. There's a couple of young players there. And you know, obviously they're gonna have a pick, you know coming up into this draft. So. And once Andre Drummond, too, is locked into a contract, I do think he becomes a little more valuable as well. So I'm interested to see how much money Andre Drummond gets this summer. That'll be one of the big questions. But, you know, I feel like they have to be doing it that way. With Detroit, I just don't get it because, you know, you move Drummond, but it, it feels like they had, like between Derrick Rose, between Markeith Morris, and between Langston Galloway, all of those guys had value in some sort. So it's like, Why? if you're going to blow this team up, Blow it up. Blow it up all the way. What was the point? Like, I don't understand. Like, they were talking with Derrick Rose and his camp, and they were both agreeing that they didn't want to be traded. For what? Why would he not? Why would Derrick Rose not want to be traded? I don't know. And I guess Why would they not want to trade Derrick Rose? And also, he just, you know, uh, he's also one of the guys that, you know, everyone thought the Clippers and Lakers should trade for. And also, this guy, he's sitting out of the skills contest because he has an inductor strain in his knee. You know, it's just like... That's why I felt like Derrick Rose is a risk, maybe for some contenders, because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, he's Derrick Rose. Yeah. What do we know Derrick Rose for? Getting hurt, you know? Yeah. Is he really reliable? He's playing fantastic right now. Yeah, but, but he's been the last two seasons and kind of this year too, like I you know, I was as low on Derrick Rose as you could get when he was in New York. And he's really surprised me the oh, last he's been like Derrick Rose is still a you like Derrick Rose is now a useful bench player. Like oh, that wasn't he's... a thing at one point. Like there, I get why contenders would want Derrick Rose. Me too. But there wasn't. It, I think I heard something ridiculous. Like Detroit wanted two first rounders. For yeah, him. They, they, they were going. I know Covington. That was that was a talk for Covington. Yeah. As oh, well. yeah. Well, and for the other one too, the guy who didn't get moved that everybody is talking about is David Bertans in Washington. Seriously. And Washington. Or I, Luke Kennard because that, that yeah. was they, that was a big uh, trade that was it just stalled at the you know the eleventh hour. And Kennard's a good player, so I, I can get why Detroit would. Want to keep him and hold him there. I didn't think they should sell on him young. low necessarily. Like they yeah, got Christian Wood. Yeah, Christian Wood's gonna be. A, yeah, your fantasy leagues pick. Uh, pick Christian Wood up. Uh, he's definitely gonna be killed. I mean, he's, he's certainly gonna have the opportunity now the rest of the year. Um, you know, get his chance to stick. He's been kind of bouncing around for a while. A real darling on NBA Twitter. Um, but yeah, I I don't get it, and I don't get and from what Detroit is doing there. And but going, but yeah, going to Washington, it's like, look, I know you guys didn't want to move David Bertans. I mean, Ugh. they came out basically and said like, hey, we want to pair him with Bradley Beal and John Wall when Wall gets healthy, ideally next season. Exactly. But at least posture a little bit. Like, I, just come out with two first rounders. It's like, just don't even like see what you can get for. Listen it, to some like, offers, right? Like that's what Phoenix did, and I think they ended up doing with Kelly Oubre. Is where it's like. Yeah, no, they just listen. Like, there's nothing wrong with listening. You don't have to make the move. And I, I think Phoenix made the right call by not moving Ubre as well. Uh, but 
you know, just don't come out with two first rounders right away. It's like, well, yeah, I'm not trading. Who's Duke. doing that? No one. And I, it's, I don't care how well Bertans is playing this year. Just, just come on. We got to be ridiculous about, uh, you know, at some point. But, I, you know, he could have been a, a real interesting piece for a contender. I, Big I mean, time. Yeah, Lord knows I want him on the Sixers. But, oh, he'd been nice. Yeah. But thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Driving Ish NBA podcast. We appreciate you guys. As always, uh, you know, keep an eye on if there's any other moves. Obviously, now I'll be watching the buyout market as well. Uh, make sure you follow Lewis on Twitter. My guy, Lewis Axon, at Lewis Artisan. Um, you know, friend of the show. Always a pleasure having him appreciate on. It. Lewis's solo pod is going to be coming one of these days. I got logos now, guys. Well, I keep gassing Lewis up. Like, every time he comes on this podcast, I just go, yo, you're way too talented to not be doing this, like, already on the side. So. Listen. Listen, like, man. I'm trying to I'm trying to gas you up, man. I got I got logos, man. I got logos. The, the LA Minute soon to be my uh, new podcast. I actually have logo. I got a couple logos. I got I got logos for different situations. I just put together that LA Minute too as has the little double entendre going. Exactly. Because wow. your boy's gonna be a homer still, but you know I, I I try to be objective as possible, and you know I always check myself, but I like to keep it. Passion. Yeah, you, you gotta have a you gotta have a little bit of fun. I had a couple people hit me up and go, "Yo, you rant about the Sixers on next episode," and I was like, "Listen, listen, we're we're trying to find internal peace in 2020. <laughs> That's the goal for everybody, which probably should require me, you know, stop watching games." Justin will be back next episode. Thank you, everybody. Y'all know the deal. Check out lineups on YouTube. Watch the podcast, Apple Store, Google Play. Leave us a review. Stitcher, Spotify, Player FM. Go to lineups.com, get all your fantasy betting advice. Fantasy hockey, fantasy basketball in full swing now. Hey, baseball's going to be coming back sooner than later, too. You know, that's still a thing. Mookie bets straight, all that. I think we've done enough dancing for today. So why don't we dance Wednesday? See you, Starside. Okay, well, I'm out of here. Get Let's go while we're young. All right, all right. I think they get the point. <laughs> <laughs>